This is Samuel Savala, and you're listening to Friars on the Friars podcast. Welcome to episode 209 of Friars on the Front podcast and to everything turn, turn, turn to Roy. Oh, I have I have found a whole new era of acceptance and peace with the 2023 season. It's just a matter of sitting back and seeing what happens, you know. I, I, God, you know, I, I, I don't want to go too long on this other than to, to say other than it's one of those, it's like I said, it's one of those seasons where it's, it's, we live in the upside down where teams like the Mets just crap the bed. Teams like the Padres crap the bed, you know, Pirates had a great first half, you know, and then, you know, the Diamondbacks, like all the teams that are the Reds, like all these teams that aren't supposed to be there yet are, are, were surging for, for a while. And teams like the Padres you know, are starting to smell of a little bit of that 2015 with a bunch of guys, you know, but with a bunch of guys just thrown together, but absolutely having to stick together. Like, there's no way they're getting rid of any of these contracts. Right. Yeah. And after the deadline, they had a couple of weeks to try to put something together. And while ev- all the other contenders in the wild card race were sliding, the Padres couldn't figure out how to make any pod- positive motion. And so now at this point, I'm looking ahead to 2023, but I'm also looking beyond the fence and seeing what's happening in the minor leagues. And that's where my focus is turned to now. So I'll still go to the games. I went to the game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a whole different vibe at the ballpark. <laughs> I'm used to going and everybody's pumped up and the park is packed even on a Tuesday night or whatever. Last night, it was pretty <clears throat> mellow. And the players that came out to the bullpen, they all looked pretty mellow. And I think this is just kind of how it's going to be this year. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. And it's, it's okay to be okay with that. Um, and just say, you know, raise up the raise up the white flag and surrender for the season. Bring some, maybe, you know, bring some guys up, you know, we'll talk about it here in a minute with, with, with Ben Gamble, but brings maybe some other guys that might could get some good looks that we could maybe audition for 2024. Uh, maybe we'll see. Wow. Not even that. Okay. So we we're going to have the major league minute, which is not going to be that long. Uh, there's a lot of news going on in the minor leagues. A lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of new guys coming up, a lot of guys moving up even higher. Salas was promoted a uh, Homer Bush jr. HPJ uh, makes a splash in his debut and has done pretty damn well. Uh, and his first few games with the storm can't wait to get up there right before the end of the season. And there's a bunch of other moves with, with teams like the Fort Wayne, getting ready to go to the playoffs. So they brought up a couple of pitchers there to help fortify that bullpen and maybe even a starting, uh, maybe even a starting pitcher with, uh, with Henry Baez. And then we'll have the affiliate rundown. Right. Well, so starting off with the major league minute, the Padres selected the contract of outfielder first baseman, Ben Gamble. Um, I think this has been an interesting pickup uh, kind of happened under the radar. It was yeah. a, a, a 40 man roster. It was an off the 40 man roster trade uh, with, with Tampa Bay. Um, so he hit over the last four weeks with El Paso. He's hit 339, a 429 on base, and he slugged 661 for a 1.09 OPS, which granted it's the PCL, but yeah. still he's been hitting well while he's been in the Padres organization, uh, playing mostly right field, but a little bit of left field and also a little bit of first base. I thought that was kind of interesting um, to make room for Ben Gamble. G-Man Choi went to the 15-day IL with a rib strain, and right-handed pitcher Drew Carlton went to the 60-day IL with elbow inflammation. Um, 
One last thing about our little intro banter there. I keep telling myself that the 1996 Padres, uh, either won or came in second. I think they won the National League West. And then the 97 Padres were awful, last place. Yeah. And then the 98 Padres were the special team that we're still celebrating, yeah. you know, 25, 30 years later. So yeah. maybe there's something that's going to happen in the next, you know, six, eight, nine months, whatever, uh, that's going to set this team up for something special next year. And that's yeah, what yeah. I've got to look forward to. And the thing I was thinking about too is the I think it happened to the Red Sox. The Red Sox were just horrible. I think they were last uh last uh in the last place uh, about five or six years ago. I think it might have been the last time they won it. The next year they went to the World Series and won the World Series. Um let's hope that's the case, but until then, let's just, you know, focus on the minor leagues because we're not watching the game. <laughs> well, <We're> so not- <laughs> do you think anything there's anything to this Ben Gamble promotion? I, I don't. I, I think it's just someone that they maybe it's in the contract. Uh, you know, maybe they just want to give a guy a look. Um, it's a big old womp womp for me. And and I'm glad that since he's been with the El Paso, he shaved, uh, at least trimmed up his beard because about a week ago, <laughs> that thing was like he was looking ZZ top. Oh, that's and- his thing, though. He's like mountain man. Right, but then uh, he's trimmed it down a little bit. So it looks a little bit better, I think. Or I might have got him mixed up with Jansen Witt, Witty. Well, so he's an outfielder, plays a little bit of first base. I He never really played first base until I think this year, maybe a little bit last year, uh, but he hits lefty. So yeah. Garrett Cooper hit a home run last yesterday. Uh, G-Man Choi hits the IL, lefty bat. So now you've got another lefty bat on the bench uh, because there's another guy at the end of the bench who hasn't seen the dirt for like a month. Um, it's really, that's really bad. It's weird. It's weird. And uh, you know what? I'm not even going to. Yeah. People are wasting time and breath wondering about it. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even going to sweat it. So yeah. we'll see what Ben Gamble does. Uh, you, Tatis has been playing every day. Grisham has been playing every day. Soto has been playing every day. Yesterday, Soto went down to his knees. Um, I thought he fouled the ball off his foot at the game, but it sounds like it was his hand that's bothering him. The finger again, yeah. Right. And we don't know what Tatis's shoulder is like. You know, he just had surgery in the offseason. He could be hurting. Both both those guys have kind of fallen off a little bit, especially Tatis. So maybe they're going to get them off their feet a little bit more. Um, you know, if it's that if it really is the time of year to kind of start packing it in, then, yeah, get those guys off their feet, get them some R&R and send them off into the offseason fairly healthy because next year it's going to matter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'm so salty. Oh, so salty dog. All right. So, hey, just before we got on the podcast here today, uh, Kevin Cobbs was added to the EP roster. Uh, and to Fort Wayne from Lake Elsinore, Henry Baez, starting pitcher, David Morgan and Cole Paplum. Paplum? Yeah. Both those guys are undrafted free agents, are up with Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne is headed towards the playoffs uh, where these two of them are kind of like trending downwards where I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, so those are the moves today. Also, earlier in the week, last week, we had Ethan Salas promoted to high Fort Wayne. Right. Yeah. Along with Kevin Copps, Tierso Ornelas went back up to AAA. Yes. I think he's yeah. filling the void that uh, Ben Gamel, you know, coming up to the majors is leaving. So, yeah, Ethan Salas promoted to high Fort Wayne. Uh, I mean, people were surprised by it, but then at the same time, you're kind of not surprised because the superlatives just keep on coming and he keeps, you know, proving everybody. So he hit... 267, 350 with an 837 slug and 191 <laughs> at bats, including nine home runs. The Phenom switched in between DH and catching at 17 years 
and 69 days as of last Wednesday. So there's only been a handful of guys in high A at that age in recent memory. And yeah, somebody listed all the names. And honestly, they aren't, you know, sparkling names. These aren't right. a bunch of, you know, Hall of Fame bound players. But just the fact that he's going to halt to high A at that age. Now this has me wondering if he keeps on going and finishes out the season strong, there's a chance he could be starting the season or at least very early in the season going up to double a next year which is just that's tatis territory right there yeah absolutely and the funny because sam dyster did list the name and you know they're not a lot of like carlos trufnell and fernando martinez and alberti chavez um the most recent was julio urias was a pitcher a bunch of other pitchers made it uh, as ludwin jimenez back in 2019 um it's not exactly an illustrious list but the point is it's a very short list right and that's and that's kind of the big thing there. Uh, but to cap that off, right before he got promoted, he was California Single A Player of the Month, where he hit three, dude, like hit three sixty six, four sixteen, seven twenty, and finished the month second in the league in average hits, home runs, triples, and slugging percentage. He was third in OPS and runs nineteen. I uh, was fourth in RBIs. He recorded ten multi hit games. It's just and, and you know there it is. Get that guy up, challenge him. And and, right. and and let him see what he can do. Yeah, the last week he did struggle. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a slump that last week uh, against uh, was it Visalia? I think they were playing. Yeah. Uh, but you know that that kind of thing happens. But what this also tells me is okay. So the performance on the field, obviously, all the numbers, earning the accolades. But this also mm-hmm. tells me that what the coaches and the evaluators and everybody they're seeing a kid that is mature for his age is handling himself showing up when he's supposed to show up. He's taking care of his things off the field. He's not being a knucklehead and running around like, like you and I were doing when we were 17 years oh, old. God, yeah. Bad, bad, yeah. Bad, bad. So this tells me that there's a lot more maturity there, which really, I thought those were the big boxes he was going to have to check this year. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things with, with, uh, you know, with us scouting the scout line, you know, the scouting, the, uh, the, the line is we see all these numbers. Oh yeah, of course, of course you should go up. But what the coaches see are those boxes that we don't know about, the boxes that they check out. Yes, he's probably not fooling around. He's coming in, coming in on time, showing up, working hard, having the quality at bats, all the stuff that you know the that the management sees and, and the front office sees uh, that they need to see checked off, other than you know, hitting 366, which is right. which makes a big difference. And he's gonna be there anyway next year. So might as well get him up there, see what he can do, give him a little bit of time to adjust because it is one step up higher. And it's, you know, they land those curveballs a little bit quicker. You know, the fastballs are dotted a little bit more accurately. So there's going to be some adjustment there. And at 17 years old, he's playing with kids. Uh, you can look at the at the baseball reference where he's, what, five years younger? That's like minus five? Yeah, yeah. 5.2 years right now. I've got it up in front of me. <laughs> so, yeah, he's five years younger than the average uh, high A player. Yeah, and so it's still a long ways from the majors, but to be there at that age is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now, so MLB Pipeline updated their top 100 list, and the Padres have two guys in the top 10. Ethan Salas, 17-year-old kid, have we mentioned his age? He is at fifth overall in the top 100 right now. Unreal. Very aggressive with an ETA of 2016. 2026. 2016 yeah, would, be, 2016. would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking right at 2026 and I said 16. I mean, that's that's insane. He'll be 19. He'll be 19. I could see, I mean, crazy things could happen 
I, I next year is pie in the sky, but 2025 yeah. I think is very well within range. Yeah, and a I don't good see him. solid 2024, and he could be up midseason. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, guys, he's not going to be starting every game. He'll be, you know, more than likely if, when he does come up, it will be in a backup role in a learning from the whoever's there. If it's uh, you know Luis Camposano, you know, just get your feet wet and then like kind of what we expected for Luis Camposano was to play yourself into more playing time. Well, we say that now, but then you look yeah. back at what, like, I mean, the, I keep trying to think of comps, like who was on this kind of a path at this kind of an age. Pudge. And yeah, Pudge is really the only guy that, yeah. that comes close. And he was pretty much starting at age 19. I think it was. Yeah. A and I mean, just generational. So I, I don't want to heap too much optimism on on all this but it sure is fun to to dream about yeah. what we might be seeing in the next couple of years you know and with, and with the performance i was just thinking this too he is playing his first full season of ball yes there's lots of talk about he's been playing you know since he's every day since he was 12 but not in a affiliate professional job so a little bit of that performance could be of him just maybe tiring out you know yeah, well, I mean, and and who I mean baseball is such a weird thing how yeah. things come and go, and you know, the change of scenery and the people that you're around, and you know, what time of, you know, yeah. it's such a weird, such yeah. a weird thing. But it's it's just like the fact out of there, it's baseball, man. It's baseball. It's hard. It's just baseball. Just gotta go play baseball. All right. So the paragraph that uh, MLB Pipeline wrote up here, they said the other thing that should stand out most is the aggressive placement of Ethan Salas at number five. Salas wasn't on the top 100 to start the season as a 16 year old who just signed with the Padres. He wasn't even in the organization at the beginning yeah. of the year. He signed in January. Yeah. Um, so he was added as a replacement during the year and has moved up a couple of times based on his remarkable performance in full season ball to date. He just got promoted to high A. Hey. As far as our records indicate, <laughs> we've never had someone this young, age 17, this high on the top 100. Even highly touted international phenoms haven't come close. Jason Dominguez was number 54 on the preseason top 100 in 2020, right around his 17th birthday. Kevin Maitan had a ton of hype and debuted on a top 100 at around age 17 as well at number 32. So we're in, we're in uncharted territory. Was Kevin Maitan, was he the guy that was signed by the Braves? And then they wound up having to like give the money back or something. And he went and then he wound up with with was he one of the guys that was in that whole penalization Ooh, thing? I thought those were all international guys, but you could be right. Where... Oh, yeah. He, he was an international guy. And there was, I that, can't that's remember, the there thing, was... though, is that the guys that are ranked at age 17, they're all international players. Yeah. But usually they're guys that signed. It used to be in June. Now it's January. Yeah. But so it was June of the prior year at age 16. So then they get signed. They play a couple of months in the Dominican League that year. And then by the next season, everybody's had a little bit of a look. And right. Ethan Salas, I mean, I guess the scouts that had access to whatever workout fields, they knew who he was. But and the, the MLB top 100 guys aren't paying attention that far down, down the line. Right, right. Also in that top 10 is Jackson Merrill with an aggressive at number nine. Yeah, I believe I got to number nine. And they have an ETA of him next year. ETA, sorry. Well, I mean, he's in double A. He's holding his own. He's actually having a pretty good year in double A. Yeah. And, you know, 
he's he's checking all the boxes. He's a yeah. fully rounded player. He's playing good defense. He's showing good plate discipline. He's starting to show the power that they were hoping would come. Um, he's doing all the right things. And did you notice last week they had him play a game at first base and a game at second base? I watched that game and he looked, I mean, for the couple of plays that I saw, he looked okay. At se- what was he at second in the game you saw? No, he was at first. I watched him play first. I'm like, hold on. I went back out to look. I'm like, and I think I even DM John Conniff. I think he DM'd in our, in our DM said, "Hey, what's going on here?" Yeah, well, anybody can play first base, right? Right. No, it's very, it's incredibly hard position. <laughs> Thank you, Ron Washington. Right. Thank you, Moneyball. I thought the same thing. <laughs> so um, they don't just send the guy out to first base unwarranted. Yeah, right. I'm sure that they, you know, for the last couple of weeks before, they're like, "Hey, we're thinking about what do you think about playing first base every once in a while? Go take some grounders over there. Go work on footwork." Because I got to think that's the hardest thing is the footwork, finding the bag without looking and then having a guy barreling down the line and knowing how to, how to, how to stay safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The balls coming, you know, throwing, having balls come to you at the other side of the diamond instead of throwing the angles of the ball that gets hit, all the stuff that goes along with playing a completely different um, position, but also he's got to look. And go like, okay, 10 years to, to Tatis, 10 years to, uh, you know, Bogarts. Like, shortstop is taken. Third base is taken. Like, and I, I, I did this to his mom. Like, that's if he gets first base, I mean, that's just going to quicken him to the major leagues. Like, we need right. a first baseman. We need someone to play first base. I love Jake Cronenworth, but he's not it. Because <laughs> he profiles so much better as a second baseman. I'm not saying about the defense, but just he, he plays better at second base. Well, I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, because uh, there's a pretty good guy playing second base that I'd like to keep around for a while. Yeah, who ever since that whole on, ever since I said, look, Hassan Kim's going to come back to earth. Like, he had a really great two weeks, I think, like about a month and a half ago when I said, like, look, he's going to come back down to earth. Like, these guys are all going to suck. And he has not stopped hitting since that week. <laughs> since that I think week. he's doing it just to spite you. <laughs> oh. Uh, so okay, so, so round there, up the list. There are three other guys on the list, and all of a sudden, my sheet just went blank. Okay, at sixty-five, Robbie Snelling. Uh, they have an ETA of twenty twenty-six on him. Uh, Dylan Lesko at sixty-eight, an ETA of twenty twenty-seven. Which you got to be conservative. He's coming off Tommy John. Yeah. The fact that he's just up on a mound and healthy at the end of the day, but it sounds like the stuff is picked right back up from what they saw in high school. Yeah. Uh, and then just this week, Sammy Zavala got added to the back of this list. He's at number 99 uh, with an ETA of 2025. He was added to the MLB top 100 this week after the graduation of Arizona's Brandon Fatt, who, who threw we a just saw way right. too much of. <laughs> Wasn't he 0-6 with a 7-7 like ERA? Oh, yeah. Every time those guys come up, I, we I make him look so good. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Call yeah. the guy up from double A. He's got a nine ERA. OK, he's going to show seven, throw seven innings of scoreless against the Padres. His, yep. But anyway, Sammy Zavala. I mean, he's been hitting well this year yeah. and I keep seeing. So his dad is so good at retweeting anything that anybody says about his son. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there are some like fringe prospect 
analyst kind of guys who are looking at like hard hit rate and chase rate and this kind of thing. And it sounds like as the season's going by, his numbers are steadily increasing on that kind of stuff, which is really where the improvement, I would think as the player development guys, they're not watching average. They're not watching. I mean, maybe they're looking at strikeout rate, walk rate, but really they're looking at whiff rate. They're looking at what kind of contact is he making? Um, And so barrels is he catching? Absolutely. Right. So he's hit, he's, drawing a ton of walks, but he's in single A. What happens to those walks as you move up the ladder and guys have better command? Uh, the walks are going to go away, but the fact that he's making good contact. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, I saw somebody pull a comp about Car- Carlos Gonzalez um, with the balance of enough speed and enough power and enough hit and just kind of the balanced outfielder. And he turned into a stud. I mean, he was yeah. MVP con- candidate for a couple of years there absolutely but had a nice long solid career as somebody who could play center field profiles a little better in the corners um but and he had a game last week i'm sure you've got it in the write-up this is what i get for not reading the notes <laughs> where he got on base all five times had a home run a double a couple of walks and just was all over the place and it seems like once or twice a week he's got a game like that yeah absolutely and, and the, the power is there and these yeah it's a california league yeah it's a ball some of these ballparks are huge like like the diamond is a big ballpark mm-hmm. and, and he's hitting tanks there. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, look, we've got several guys that are on the you know top 100s, which, which couple like last year we had maybe two, one, we had Merrill and that was, you know, and James Wood. And I think that was about it. Yeah. Well, you know, Preller sold the farm and <sighs> the Padres have no prospects and the cupboards are bare. No, 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 no. There's lots of good prospects out there. They're just down in in single A, starting to creep into double A. Right. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of creeping up, the 2023 fourth round pick Homer Bush Jr. is promoted from the desert. After tearing up the ACL, Homer Bush Jr. made his affiliate debut Tuesday playing left field and hitting leadoff. And the way baseball goes, the ball will find you pretty quickly when you're new. In the first inning, Bush made a nice sliding catch on a falling liner. Later, after reaching on a fielder's choice, he stole second but was left stranded. He picked up his first hit in the sixth with a bloop single. I had just turned on. I watched that game. Um, I saw the slide. I saw everything. But then, I, God, you know, I, I'm watching three games, and I'm cooking dinner, and I, I come back, and then his mom posted the picture of, of the video of him getting the hit. I'm like, damn it, I missed that. Damn. <laughs> um, Great. And he... It's one of the things when he got signed, I, I really thought first, f- first of all, I remember seeing him. Uh, there's a tournament that UCSD played uh, in and they played against um, Grand Canyon University. Oh, okay. And, and he got a couple knocks and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's Homer Bush Jr. Son. Great. I I didn't think nothing of it until we drafted him. Um, and they beat the hell out of my Tritons. Yeah, it was, that was a rough game for them. But I, you know, when I saw him, I, I automatically gave him a comp of, um, uh, we traded him for Soto for the shortstop, but now got to talk about a guy who couldn't remember anything. Uh, Abrams, yeah, but I, I like uh, Abrams is slinky and he's starting to find his way in the major leagues right now. Um, and he kind of struggled in in my in the minor leagues and then to the majors. I, I feel like Homer Bush Jr. is a little bit maybe a maybe Abrams 2.0, but in the outfield, um, I think he's a little more stocky, has a little more muscle to him. Uh, I think there's a little more power in there that's gonna that's gonna show as he gets a little bit older. Um, and the speed is there and the speed is just, I mean, he's hitting balls hard and he's running them out. So, um, I'm stoked to see this guy play. I love watching him play. Right. The, the draft write-ups 
reminded me a lot of what we saw from Buddy Reed early on. Okay, right. And so I'm curious just to see how this carries going forward, that he's speed and he's got enough power and the power's starting to come. Um, obviously, he's a very good defensive center fielder. Seems to have pretty good instincts out there. He's a good yeah. runner, uh, you know, top-grade speed kind of thing. Uh, the question is, how far will the hit tool carry him? How good is the hit tool? What kind of progression what kind of improvement will that hit tool see so i think that was the you know what pulled him out of being a first round you know into a second third round kind of selection where the padres got him uh so somebody to keep an eye on because you remember in 2018 uh buddy reed went off in yeah. the california league i mean he was a menace all over yeah. the place and then this was when California League was high A, and then he moved up to double A and couldn't do a thing and really just just plateaued. Uh, I'd like to think that Homer Bush has another gear above that, yeah. but that was kind of just the the he's got the tools and he's got the the baseball skills, but the hit tool has a little bit of a question mark on it. Um, yeah, I think Buddy Reed had the bigger question right from the get go. Seemed yeah. like everybody was kind of questioning that. And he was kind of proving everybody wrong for a minute, and then it ran out. But I'd like to think that Homer's got a little more legs than that. Absolutely, and, and with the with the pedigree, with being around professional baseball, his you know growing up in it, he knows what's to come. He knows it's a process. He understands that there's going to be failure, and it matters what you do with that failure that makes the difference between if you move up, if you develop, if you get any better. And so I think that does uh, these guys with. With family members that are, you know, with dads that that played professional uh, in the big league, sorry, um, it, they're just a different breed of players, and and they can handle that a little bit of stress and the whole. Um, it takes a long time to make it to the majors, kind of mindset, and just trusting the process. Yeah, I was. I went up on Sunday, and I was a little disappointed. He was a late scratch. Yeah. Um, I never heard anything of it because you know they post the the lineup on the board there, and I looked, and he was their leadoff. But then by the time that they announced it on the video board, his name wasn't in the lineup anymore. Um, I did so I didn't get to see him on Sunday. I was really looking forward to it. Still had a Absolutely. good time up there in Lake Elsinore. Absolutely, and it kind of the season's ending pretty quick. I need to get up there and do a couple more interviews. So we can get a little bit of action. Maybe Dylan Mesco, maybe even Homer Bush Jr. I, I thought I would wait to let both those guys get some innings under their belt. And uh, we're going to talk about Dylan here in a second and his really good start. Um, to, you know, I want to let them play a little bit before I have to ask them any questions and just kind of see how they feel and, and what they think of playing in pro ball. So it's going to be cool to get up there and hopefully uh, before the season ends and get them on the podcast. Well, let's bring our listeners to Lake Elsinore right now as we fire off the affiliate rundown. All as right. always, thank you, Mad Friars, for the excellent work you do. Uh, toss that latte away and spend that money on your Mad Friars subscription, everybody. <laughs> um, so the storm, strike one. On Wednesday, pitching ruled the, the day and offense had only two hits, but still managed to win with a Jay Brashears walk-off single. Jose Luis Reyes, uh, Reyes had his best outing, setting a career high of nine strikeouts, allowing just one run on three hits. Ruben Galindo got the win for Elsinore with two scoreless innings. The 22-year-old has been nothing short of fantastic since being sent down from Fort Wayne. After giving up 16 runs and 15 and a third innings for the Storm, Galindo has allowed just three over 30 and two-thirds innings in Elsinore, good for a .88 ERA. Uh, John Conniff was in Elsinore this week. So a lot of these write-ups are coming from his work. Unfortunately, I did not cross paths with him. I was no. hoping to run into him up there. I ran into all the other usual suspects. <laughs> um, oh, on Sunday, special yeah. shout out to Mini Thunder. 
Sunday was Mini Thunder's farewell party. He's going off to college. Mini Thunder is going to Oregon State University. I'm proud of the guy. I'm proud of the the future Oregon State Beaver, the newest Oregon State Beaver. <laughs> As a Beaver myself, I'm proud of him. But yeah, they had a little little special uh, send off from Mini Thunder. So it was now, a bit of a bittersweet day. I I you know, and we don't know who that is. I don't know who that is, but we know that whoever is in there is going to Oregon State, and that's a pretty damn good school. Yeah, so good for them. Yeah, absolutely. But strike two. So John Conniff was an Elsinore. Uh, so this is his write-up from the game. Friday, Dylan Lesko had his best start in his in his short time in Lake Elsinore. I watched this game and I posted a bunch of videos of this. He was absolutely nasty. That changeup is 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 major league ready right now. After Ooh. allowing his after allowing a single to the game's first batter, the Nationale right-hander from North Georgia didn't give up another hit for the rest of his four innings. 57-pitch outing. We get a lot of these guys who come in here and throw hard, says manager Pete Zamora. One thing I was telling pitching coach Thomas Eshelman about today is that he never looks at the radar gun. We get so many young kids that come in here, and they're looking at the radar. The the Dylan Lescos and the Robbie Stallings of the world never look at the miles per hour because they're so dialed in to compete. Lesko ended up striking out seven against one walk as he edged past 50 pitches for the first time in a game as he gets further removed from Tommy John surgery that he underwent in April of 2022. He comes as advertised with his velocity and changeup, but I don't think his curveball gets enough love because it is a hell of a pitch too. It's going to be a pitch. Now, I when I posted a video that he threw a curveball, but it went right, it, it, it broke into his body. So I call it another changeup. But someone else said, hey, no, that's a curveball. I'm like, oh, damn, that's a really damn good curveball. You know, when we were talking to Carlos Colazzo, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, you know, you hear him talking about athleticism, and there are things, there are some guys that can pick up pitches that understand how to manipulate the ball. Like, I mean, Darvish, he's been in the league, what, 10-plus years, and he's still working on how to throw different pitches and different yeah. ways to manipulate the ball. He's always thinking about it. And I wonder if Lesko is one of these guys that has that next level of, of feel and, and understanding of his own body and what he can do with the baseball. So, you know, you hear about guys that, okay, they've got this, they got that, that pitch isn't so good, but I mean, you never know when, when one of these, you know, something's going to turn up a click. Yeah, absolutely. So the game was scoreless going into the bottom of the fifth when Homer Bush jr. HBJ, I'm it just now it's going to be HBJ <laughs> uh, blasted a solo homer to right center. And his first, uh, his first in California, in the California league hitting leadoff. He had another big day with a double and walk to go along with his home run. It's a thunder and lightning thing for me with Homer. He is lightning fast and he has some thunder in the back said Zamora. Damn. He's so good. He was he, that then lightning and thunder. He was the same uh, when he was talking about uh, Luis Patino back in the day, called him a little baby rattlesnake. And that stuck. That stick for a real long time. So I love that lightning and thunder. Um, he's lightning fast and he has some thunder in the bat. Uh, he's played a lot of baseball, but there's always refinement. And there are some smaller things he needs to do to get to the next level. And that's what you want to see. That's you want to see development. Uh, he's been dialed in trying to get things right. He wants to be a really good baseball player. So they're moving on to strike three. Sunday, Griffin Dorshing timed the club's only extra base hit of the day, welcoming Rawhide reliever Jake Fitzgibbons uh, first pitch for a three-run homer. The first baseman has struggled in making enough consistent contact through the year, and despite his plus raw power, is slugging just 395. He's been very streaky all season and hasn't homered yet this month before Sunday's blast. 
His homework. It was a blast too. I can confirm. Right. Uh, His homework came a day after his 25th birthday. After a three and 17 series in Modesto, Samuel Zavala bounced back nicely at home. The 18 year old Singleton scored that Singleton walked Sunday to finish the set against Vasalia six for 19 with seven walks and reclaimed the lead with a 422 on base average. I love walks when you're, when you're young, you want to hit. So you will chase pitches. You'll be aggressive. So having Sammy, you know, get all these, you know, lead the league in walks and on base percentage just shows me it's a, it's a, it's a heightened eye. You know, it's a more mature uh, approach than you see from a lot of people coming into a ball. So Emmanuel Pinales making a second start for Lake Elsinore, surrendered three earned runs over three and two thirds innings, but struck out seven more batters. <laughs> the 22 year old righty who opened the season uh, in the desert has struck out 20 in over 13 or two thirds frames since joining the storm. Yeah. Pin- Pinales, he was either blowing guys away or he was walking them. It was one of those things, which you see a lot with guys that age, especially with velocity too. All right, so moving on to Fort Wayne, Jacob Marcy has been named the Midwest Player of the Week. Minor League Baseball announced on Monday from August 8th through 13th at Lansing, the Oakland is affiliate. Uh, San Diego Padres prospect led the circuit in batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, on-base plus slugging percentage, hits, runs, total bases, and stolen bases. Hopefully high fives and some other stuff, too. Uh, Lions of bears and tigers. I know, everything. (laughs) That's a lot of commas. Over six games in the leadoff spot, Marcy went 13 for 27 with a double, a triple, and two home runs as he slashed 565, 630 with a 957 slug. He scored nine runs, drove in six, and stole five bases. He also walked three times and was hit by a pitch. The six foot 22 year old from Allen Park, Michigan, was drafted by the Padres in the sixth round last year out of Central Michigan University. MLB.com grades him as San Diego's number 12 prospects. Quote, I appreciate all my teammates, coaches, and supporters who helped me achieve this award, Marcy said. The season has been a lot of fun, especially with the opportunity to play not too far away from family and friends. I was such a great group of guys here. We're ready to finish strong with a postseason push. So, outstanding week for Jacob Marcy. He's been, he's been having a pretty good season kind of on the down low this year, very, uh, but very underrated, very underreported. Right. But as we noted, he played a lot in spring training and the big league games. He was one of the, like every day he seemed to be the guy getting called up. And so I have a feeling next year we're going to be seeing him a lot. Maybe he'll even earn himself a uh, invite to, to major league spring training. Yeah, and he has those steely blue eyes. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> All right, moving on to strike one Tuesday. Robbie Snelling, who's pitched tonight, is pitching tonight. The train continues to keep rolling. The Reno native fanned four and surrendered four hits, allowing just one unearned run and five innings of work. After a rough start on July 18th, in which he allowed four runs in two innings, gasp, Snelling has bounced back in a big way, allowing just one earned run in 16 innings over his last three starts. You're so gave, dramatic. He's so dramatic. So today he gave up. I, I came into the game in the third inning. He gave a run in the first, our second, the third, and then the next two innings, he didn't let anyone on base. So he's just right back to where he was. He walked uh, two in that span while punching out 20. Since being promoted from single A like Elsinore, his ERA is a paltry 2.20. Carter Lowen followed Snelling with a career-best matching three innings. Reliever Keegan Collette has slammed the door, though, and earned the save, striking out two and working a perfect bottom of the ninth. 
Jacob Marcy whacked his 10th homer on the second pitch of the game and extended his on-base streak to 13 games. He finished 3-for-3 three three with a walk and has a season on-base percentage of 404, which ranks second in the Midwest League. The 22-year-old Michigan native, who has several friends and family members in attendance, also, the league, also leads the league in walks with 82. I always love that. When the guy gets to play near home and then yeah. all the family and friends get to come out, that's fun. All right, so strike two. Ethan Salas was the talk of the day, but Graham Polly was the star of the Wednesday matinee. The Duke alum and friend of the podcast, Graham Polly clobbered a grand slam to highlight a seven-run sixth inning. Catcher Salas, age 17. Are we required? Are we, like, mandatory <laughs> to mention his age every time you mention his name? Officially became the youngest. I guess people keep forgetting how old he is. Yeah. He uh, officially became the youngest player to ever appear in a game for Fort Wayne. Salas got his first hit in his third at-bat, which started a stretch of seven straight tin caps to reach base. After singles by Cedeno and designated hitter Nathan Martorella, Pauly launched a grand slam, the team's sixth granny of the year. It was one of Pauly's two hits in the game and marks his 13th homer since joining the team in late June. He joined Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves and Michael Bush of the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers as the only three players in either minor or major league baseball who've homered 13 times since June 29th. There's there's a big caveat on there, but still, just I mean, yeah. that's crazy. I I you know I didn't think of him as a power hitter coming into the season, but I guess maybe that's who he is. Uh, he also ranks second out of MI, MILB and major leaguers in RBIs with 38 in that range. Center fielder Jacob Marcy, following his solo homer and three hit game Tuesday, ripped an RBI single plus a double and finished two for five. Michel Baez made his first appearance with the team this season out of the bullpen. He retired four hitters and struck out one across part of the fourth inning and all the fifth. On Tuesday, Baez was moved from the rookie level Arizona Complex League Padres to Fort Wayne on a rehab assignment. One of the things I've noticed about Marcy, uh, Grand Pauly, and Nathan Wardarella, they're all very pull-heavy. Like, those guys want to pull the ball to right field. They're left-handed, so they can do that, but either certainly uh, I can see it in their swings, and uh, I think if they move up, as they move up, they're going to have to address that because those guys are going to get pitched differently as they go up to double-A and up into triple-A. But three guys there, Jacob Marcy, Nathan Mortarella, and and Grand Pauly are, are just – studs that came out of nowhere you know they're they're you know their second late first day second day drafts and just really making a name for themselves the laser show yes all right so let's move on to strike three once again it's a it's the jacob marcy show dude then well, you know, this is why he was player of the week he just absolutely cranked it so sunday uh jacob marcy got the tin caps on the scoreboard in the third with an RBI single, he finished with three hits and a walk. Marcy leads the Midwest League in on a base percentage at 412. That mark is currently the third highest in a season in Fort Wayne's 30-year franchise history. Jeff Decker posted a 442 OPP in single A in 2009 as a budding big leaguer. Jeff Decker. Dude, I haven't heard that name in a while. School. Oh, my God. So... That's they were the Wizards back then. I, I I'm pretty sure they were the Wizards back then. Um, New Williams Cedeno and left fielder Grant Pauly, third baseman Lucas Dunn, and designated hitter Carlos Luis also added run scoring hits in that frame. First baseman Nodarella joined the act in the fourth with a two out RBI double that just about broke the wall in right field. God, the kid hits lasers. I, I posted that video as well. You know, um, you were talking about how pull heavy these guys have been, but. Martorella coming into the season, that really wasn't his approach. 
And so I think as the season's gone by, he's become more pull heavy, but they're probably preaching that like they want these guys to get to their power. And then once you understand that you've got that power in you, then you can, you can dial it back and just spray laser beams all over the place. And when you square one up, it's going to go. Yeah. Absolutely. That was said was a bad thing. And something I noticed about all three of them. And then the swings, they're not your typical, like sweet left-handed swings, man. They are, they are get at it. They are swing. It's very, both of us got both, all three of those guys have very, very violent swings. And um, they're not, they, they're, they do damage. Don't get me wrong. This is not a knock. This is more of just, you know, it's not a Griffey swing where it's just poetic. It's like smash you in your face kind of swing. Hit the ball over the yard. Well, there aren't there. There are no pictures on the box score. (laughs) That's true. So the Caps tacked on three more runs in the six as Martorella drew a bases load of walk. Like they weren't like they're like okay, nope, we're good. We're good. Just we'll walk in a run so you don't hit the ball, you know, into the next country. (laughs) Uh, And they walked uh, provided a two run single. Like Marcy, he totaled three hits. Carter Lowen, who never worked three innings in the system until his last outing, picked up the win with a three and a third frames of one run ball Sunday. The last season on the uh, he spent last season on the IL and got underway a month late this year, but he's been solid at both single A levels in twenty one and a third innings from Fort Wayne. The twenty four year old sports a two point five three ERA. I he he should get up to double A. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up putting him up in a double A. I know they're going to the playoffs. They probably want to keep him there, but I think he can do well in double A. He needs to get up there to you know start to to be challenged with some little bit better hitters that can hit that velocity. You know, you noted that Martorella drew a bases loaded walk. I'm wondering if they were pitching around him. Oh, dude, or they pitched around was... him. I watched it. Like they, yeah? they wanted nothing to do with them. It's funny uh, how they still do that. Why don't they just go four? Okay, four. Like, oh, fine, we surrender. But, you know, they, they, and maybe they, you're going on the hopes that the guy's going to just try to swing at something right, that right. you're going to try to catch him fishing or something. I, I don't know. You know, and, and the pitching coach did it right because after he walked him, uh, he, he came out and talked to him like, okay, so that, you know, that covers the pitcher's ass by by not, you know, showing him up. I just leave him out there like, yeah, that's what we did. But, you know, you can go out there and talk to him. Okay, that's fine. And then Dunn gets the knock. All right, so let's move on to El pa- to uh, San Antonio. Strike one on Thursday, making his second start for the missions. Adam Mazur allowed one run on three hits in three innings of work while they build him back up to full starter innings workload. In 12 and two-thirds innings for San Antonio, Mazur has struck out 18 and walked three while posting a 4.26 ERA and has allowed one run in five innings since being returned to the starting rotation. The Springfield announcer gave out velocities of 95 and 96 in different at-bats, so it's not known if he was sitting there or just hit those speeds. Also, I tend to be a little bit skeptical of minor league guns because every once in a while you hear, oh, that park's hot, and oh, wait, that guy's throwing 98? There's no way. So I don't know, you know, but the fact... I like that he's back in the rotation and I like that he's, he's getting the job done in double a that's, that's showing the right step. Um, the sprint, the, uh, okay. So Kevin cops came up big with three innings of one hit ball to earn the win. The 2021 third rounder hasn't allowed an earned run over his last 17 innings across 11 appearances, though he's been tagged with seven unearned runs. The Arkansas product has struck out 18 and walked five while holding opponents average below 200 since the start of July. I find it interesting that they've had him working multiple innings quite a bit this year. 
I, I kind of had the impression coming into the season that he was going to be a one inning, like try to make him right. a setup guy kind of a profile, but working three innings at a time and it only, only makes the guy more versatile. I like it. Absolutely. Um, and it could, he's not a starter by any stretch of the imagination, but that, that swing guy to get you through the sixth, seventh inning, you know, so you can get it to the eighth, your, uh, you know, your setup guy and then your closer. If we ever have a closer, do we have? Do the Padres have a closer? I, I don't. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, he doesn't get into the game very often these days. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, he only pitches the ninth inning. Um, <laughs> yeah. God. You know what I did? So uh, you know, what I wanted to say that I um, we were in Connecticut last week, and Monday we drove out to Hyannis, and I caught a Cape Cod League game. Oh, how was that? It's a bucket list thing for me. It was one of those things where we're like, oh, I'll ask if Liddy ever wants to go do this, but probably never going to happen. But, uh, you know, on the Sunday that we flew, we flew out there and she's like, well, let's where, where what's what let's go somewhere. Like, okay. I just happened to plop on, you know, I follow a couple of teams in, in the, in the Cape Cod league. I'm like, Hey, there's a Cape Cod's plan. How far away is it? Three hours, three hour drive. And she, I was thinking Lid's going to go like, no, nah, that's no, nah, that's too far. She's like, let's do it. Nice. Hell, if we didn't. Hell, if we didn't drive out. I mean, it rained on the way there. We almost died. It rained so damn hard. I mean, it absolutely gushed. And for this Southern California boy driving in the rain, um, but it was great. It was Hyannis. It was Hyannis versus Bourne, uh, and Hyannis, uh, the Hyannis uh, Firehawks. And dude, it was epic. I mean, it was it's your it's your elite college wood bat league tournament, or you know, league itself. And uh, I made it. Pretty good crowd, sweet crowd for for that game. It was a playoff game. I would say seven eight hundred. Okay, and then for the uh, so we left, uh, we left, and then they played one more game. I think five thousand showed up for that one. I think seven thousand showed up for the championship game. So there's some significant, uh, significant uh, people showing up for that, and they are of all ages and of all groups. Like it's it's old people it's it's families it's um it's everyone in between the whole back of the dugout you know the whole back of the um behind the plate are nothing but scouts and radar guns that there's been baseball in hyannis 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 since 1883 yeah 100 years i, I got the shirt wow. 100 years of cape cod league baseball uh we walked that? around we walked around talking like the candidates like ah let's go get some ice cream honey Okay, let's go get some pizza. It was just bad. (laughs) All right, so let me finish off strike one here. So Juan Fernandez went two for five with a double and a home run and hit into the fielder's choice to produce the go-ahead run in the 11th. The 24-year-old is three for four with four RBIs in extra innings in the 2023 season and is batting 274 with a 735 OPS in 292 at-bats for the missions. You know, he's three for four with four RBI in extra innings. You know, the big league club could use somebody like that right. that knows how to get it done in extra innings and i love Juan fernandez this kid maybe it's because i watch so many of these games and i see him hit so often like i i don't know why these guys aren't on on the radar i know they maybe obviously they're in the radar in the system in the organization like they knew who they are but like this kid all he does is rake he's not have the, you ever had a chance to be around have you ever like watched him at a spring training game or just been around him no he is such a likable dude. Really? He's always got this big smile on his face. He's always clowning around with everybody. I mean, oh my God, I'm such a fan of his. When we went to Fort Wayne, uh, Blake Hunt caught the game 
Fernandez was on the bench the whole time, but afterwards it, it was that big comeback game. Yeah. And afterwards yeah. he was goofing around with everybody and just, Oh my gosh, what a likable dude. So, and, and here's the thing is like, we have, there is a DH position in the big league club. So some of these guys, I mean, Juan Fernandez plays a lot of third base, you know, he converted catcher into third base. They converted him from catcher to third base. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure on that. And like third base is locked up, but if these guys can make the big league club and being a DH, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen more of Brett Kennedy as the season has kind of gone by, yeah. and they were struggling trying to find you know fill roles that, I and mean, yeah, he's a catcher, but he can also play all around the play pretty much everywhere you want to put him. Yeah, and he's been hitting well in AAA. He hit pretty well in the time that he was up here. Once he finally got comfortable, um, I, I'm a little sad that we didn't get to see more of him. But I mean, right now. The guys that are doing the job at catcher are, you know, that's the one position you're kind of not worried about right now. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, let's get back on topic. All right, going on strike two. Saturday, Jairo Iriarte made his second start for the missions and made it easily through the first two innings before walking the first two batters and was finished. The hard-throwing 21-year-old struck out four of the first seven batters he faced, but was still working on a limited pitch count after the organization had him work in the bullpen for a month to acclimate to one potential role for him going forward. Since his promotion to the Texas League, the Venezuelan native has racked up 19 strikeouts in 11 or two-thirds innings while holding opponents to a 209 batting average. One-time big leaguer Michel Baez fouled Iriarte, but allowed a one-out triple to plate both inherited runners. The imposing 27-year-old making his return after a stint on the IL gave up two more hits before giving away in the fourth inning. Marcos Castagnon connected on his first homer since joining the missions as he continued a strong season. The 24-year-old infielder was 13-round trippers in 77 games with Fort Wayne to open the year, still has a solid 455, uh, 450, yeah, 455 slugging percentage at the higher level thanks to nine doubles but he hadn't gotten one over the wall before Saturday. He has saved his strikeout rate down below 20% in the Texas League. Another guy, 24 years old, a little bit older, is right where he should be, but another guy I, I like, I, you know. Are they going to go up to the major leagues and, and you know, be an impact bat? I, I don't know. But I watch enough of these guys and watch them hitting double A to know that there's room for them somewhere on a major league roster. You know, I'm surprised to see. So I pulled up Castagnon's uh, numbers here. He's played 26 games in double A. So I'm surprised that that's his first home run after the power that he showed last year yeah. and early this year. He had 13 home runs in, in Fort Wayne, uh, but he's still, he's batting. He's got a 301 average. He's got a 360 on base. Um, so he's definitely holding his own for, you know, first time around in, in double A. A lot of guys, they, they've got to, they got to cycle around once or twice to, to finally, you know, make that next Put level up. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Should I share what John Conniff said? <laughs> he said something about right. how Jan is like the, the least athletic, but most <laughs> successful player he's seen in a long time. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but it was something about how I, not that he completely lacks athleticism and I don't know what it is that scouts look at to, to, to evaluate what makes somebody truly athletic. Because last year, watching him in, in Lake Elsinore, me, not a scout, saw right. this guy making a bunch of really nice plays at third base. And I'm thinking, that looks pretty athletic to me. He's diving. He's moving to his side. He's got a strong arm. He's, you know, seems to show some athleticism. But, you know, then again, what do I know? Right. Running the bases, I think, has a lot to do with that athleticism that he talks about. He's and not I the fastest guy. <laughs> that's for sure. 
if you're hitting in the gap, all you need to do is make it to second base. Just second base. You know, that's right. Yeah. Hit there a gapper and you're jogging into second. All right. So on uh, strike three on Sunday, Tirso Ornelas connected on a pair of home runs, including a two run eighth inning shot that gave the missions the lead as San Antonio carved out a series split in Springfield. The 23 year old has hit in all the games he's played after rejoining the club from AAA, finishing the week eight for 19. And I thought that was interesting. He comes back down. They must have given him a good pep talk because right. he came down and absolutely raked for a week and then got the opportunity to come back up. I'm sure a lot of guys, they get that chance to play AAA, come back down to AA, and then they're just hanging their head. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's something I'd like to ask uh, Raul Padron about next time we uh, next time we see him, how how that whole emotional roller coaster goes and uh, how somebody like Tirso Ornelas handled it this year better than years in the past. Okay, so Daniel Johnson drove in the other two missions runs with his 13th round tripper of the year. The 28-year-old who signed as a minor league free agent last winter had three homers through the end of June th- uh, before his production exploded. Righty Lake Bocker, the Padres' fifth round pick back in 2015. Boy, that seems like a long time ago. Yeah, pick, Lake's picked been up his. For a while. He has picked up his third win by recording four outs with a pair of strikeouts. The Wisconsin native opened the year with a rough April, but has been dominant since. Over his last 24 games, Bocker has allowed just six earned runs in 33 innings, good for a 1.64 ERA. He struck out 32 against 13 walks while holding opponents to an average just above 200. Now, we haven't talked to Lake on this podcast. I had a chance to talk to him at spring training. And again, what a nice guy. What a friendly, like, engaging person. And so he's not my new Alex Jacob. I want to see Lake Bacher get a chance. He's been kicking around this organization for long enough. He's been pitching well enough. And uh, I think it's his time to get an opportunity next time uh, an opening should arise. Yeah, definitely get him up to Elsinore and, and see what he can do. Elsinore? Um, I'm talking about getting him I'm, up to I'm Petco not, Park. El Paso. I'm sorry. El, I'm in El Paso. Just get him to AAA and then, yeah, then jump he'll get him on the radar. That. I think he's, I think he's <laughs> had plenty of time in El Paso anyway. All the, yeah, all God, the guys was, do, they go to El Paso and they get rocked and their numbers look bad and then they never get a chance. Bring well, him straight up from AA. And as we get into El Paso, that's kind of one of the things I, I want to talk about is how just how bad i mean it the guys that consistently pitch in el paso are in the in the pacific coast league i don't know if there are i don't know if there are any in i know there's not any in our organization i don't know if there are any in other organizations where once they get out of double a into into the pacific coast league and i'm talking about the dodgers i'm talking about seattle these guys that you know that just I got to look at that because it's amazing how they can do so poorly in, in El Paso, come up and do so well. For instance, Pedro Avila. Oh, he's been a revelation. Yeah. He's, he's been doing, he did pretty, he's been doing pretty well in, in El Paso, but obviously he's been inconsistent as well. Goes into the major leagues and, you know, he's whole once, you know, short, small sample size. I say that same thing with, with Tom Cosgrove and those guys. It's, Small sample size, but certainly holding his own. And after the game that he came in for, um, God, he came in for for Blake Snell, I think. No, um, he came in for Rich Hill. Rich Hill for for Dick Mountain. Yeah, um, and then he and then he pitched like four innings of shutout ball. Yeah, he's got an ERA under one so far. So maybe watch that be the thing. Watch Rich Hill get through the lineup once, and then bring in someone else. And he's you know he turns into be. You know, you got to get some kind of production, some kind of value out of that. 
And going through the, you know, for him going through a lineup twice is not a good idea. I'd, I'd love to see that. I'm, I'm you know, sorting through, I'm trying to pull up some, uh, some, uh, some pitching numbers for AAA now as you take us into El Paso. You know, but I looked up Lake Bacher's numbers. He surprised me. He has not pitched in El Paso at all at any yeah, point in his, no. in his Padres career. I thought for sure he'd been up at least once. No. Uh, but still, I say skip, skip El Paso, bring him right on up. <laughs> all right. So let's get to El Paso. Strike one. Thursday, Aaron Lesher picked up his first AAA win and his first AAA start of the year, bouncing back after a rough stretch in which he failed to record an out in two consecutive appearances in July. All told, in 2023, Lesher now has a 5.97 ERA and 18 strikeouts in 28 and two-thirds innings split between San Antonio and El Paso. After spending the season's first two months on the injury list, Oscar Mercado had a full plate of stakes with a four RBI night, slugging a home run and a double in 90 at bats since joining El Paso. Mercado was slashing 311, 364, 589 with now seven home runs. Cause I did this on Thursday. He's since hit a home run since then. I think he might even hit two more home runs. I think um, he had another two home run game. Yeah, yeah. Just hitting tanks. Another one of those guys where give him a shot. It's not going to hurt. Get some of these other guys off their feet. Okay, Tim Lopes had a big game in the leadoff spot with three hits, including a double and two runs batted in. Improving on a four for 22 start of the month, Lopes is batting 298 with 12 home runs at 51 RBIs for El Paso in 2023. Strike two on Friday, El Paso came back to win on a walk-off two-run homer from Ronhel Ravello. For Ravello, the two-run shot was the exclamation point on a multi-hit effort. Righty Nolan Watson pitched relatively well, throwing six frames. He did allow four runs on five hits, walking two and striking out five. Most of the damage against Watson came on the three homers he allowed. The 26-year-old doesn't possess top-tier stuff, but he's been able to give the Chihuahuas 17 innings over his last three starts. That's good for a more than respectable 3.7 ERA. Ravello supplied the power late, but it was Oscar Mercado who supplied it most often. The veteran outfielder connected on two homers and drove in five runs. In just 24 games with the Chihuahuas, the former big leaguer has connected on eight home runs. Mercado has been especially hot this month, homering six times in 39 August at bats. So now to temper expectations. How many times have we seen somebody go off for a month in El Paso, get called up and then just kind of fall flat? So, yes, I'm excited about Oscar Mercado. I mean, he was one of these speed power prospects. He was on all these top prospect lists coming up with what he came up with the Cardinals, I think. And then just oh, with Cleveland, he came up with with Cleveland. Um, And then he's had major league experience, plenty of it from 2019, 23. But he just kind of hasn't put it all together. All right, moving on to strike three. We still got we still got the the complex thing to go over. Uh, the Chihuahuas won their four straight game Sunday. Oscar Mercado went three for four with two homers and two RBIs. There it is, right there. Mercado now has eight homers in his last eleven games. He finished the series ten for nineteen with six extra base hits on his way to a one point four. 1.421 slugging percentage. Eggie Rosario went three for four with a two-run single in the bottom of the seventh to give El Paso two insurance runs. Tim Lopes stole his 31st base of the season and is one steal away from tying Rico Noel's Chihuahua single-season stolen base record. God, that's another old Rico name. Rico Suave. Rico Noel. Um, left Jared Koning, who had not 
had a professional save opportunity coming into the year, picked up a six save across two levels with a clean inning. The 29-year-old who didn't get his first contract with an MLB organization until 2021 has posted a 3.48 ERA with 36 strikeouts and 33 and two-thirds innings with El Paso. El Paso has now won four of six games in the series to clinch their second straight series win over Sugarland. Sugarland. Okay, now I want to hear more about the Jared Kennedy story. I I I gotta look into this kid. A kid. He's he's a man. He's twenty nine. Twenty nine. I know. I I gotta look into this and see what what the deal is. How how did he go? Yeah, maybe and by I'm next pretty, week I'll have some uh, something to fill in here. And I'm pretty sure that they released his younger brother. His younger oh. brother was was pitching for us in uh well when snow I think he was in uh. Fort Wayne, and either he's injured or they, but they might have released him. Huh. Ian Kennig. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So anyway, let's move on to the ACL. Strike one on Tuesday, center fielder Dylan Head continues to scorch pitching in the desert. You know what this is kind of reminding me of? You mentioned C.J. Abrams earlier. C.J. Abrams got drafted and then just went off on the ACL. Yeah. So. The 2023 first-round pick had a pair of singles, drew a walk, stole his third base, and drove in a pair of runs for good measure. In his first seven professional games, Head is hitting 346, 471, 577 with four doubles, a triple, and seven walks. Now, he's a high school kid. High school kids don't usually come into the complex with, with power, that like game power that plays right away. So it, it kind of stands to reason that you know, he's not going to be launching it over the fence, but he's hitting the ball hard enough to get extra base hits and he's fast enough to, I mean, I bet he can even flip like a little flare single and you look up and he's standing there on, on second base. <laughs> uh, rehabbing infielder Jared Dale had two hits, including a double. The 22 year old infielder had seen action in nine games for the ACL squad. He's delivered a 762 OPS thus far as he works back into shape to go out to a full season club. And since then, he has returned to uh, Fort, Fort Wayne. Wayne. Zach Kinn struck out, struck out six over four innings, but was tagged with four runs, though only two were earned. The 18-year-old lefty has shown flashes in his first season in the organization. And he's another guy that back in spring training, people were really interested in him. So keep an eye on him. Zach Q-I-N. Zach Kinn. I believe he's from Chinese Taipei. Yeah. he's he, Okay. Yeah. He, we signed him last year, yeah? Yeah, he's an international international free agent signing, uh, but of the Asian uh, flavor, which yeah. you don't see a whole lot of that. Um, oh. He's from Nanjing, China. He's from mainland China. Oh, wow. Great story. Let's keep an eye out for Zach Quinn. So strike yeah. two, Friday, Dylan Head continues to look good at the plate as the first runner had two more hits. The 18-year-old Chicago native has 12 hits in nine games since starting his pro career for an OPS of over 1,000 or 1.000. In the desert, on the mound, Johnny Rosario, J-O-N-N-E-Y, John, Johnny Rosario started and completed four innings. He allowed three runs on eight hits, walking two and striking out three. The 19-year-old has a 5.76 ERA in 12 games. That's three starts this season. The club got a scoreless outing from righty Breck Eichelberger in his professional debut he allowed a hit and a walk, but was able to escape without allowing a run. The 23-year-old St. George, Utah native, played his college ball at Abilene Christian. He is not related to the one-time Padres, and I faced him in in uh, in rec ball league, Juan Eichelberger. You faced Juan Eichelberger? Oh, dude, 
I, I faced him, what, kind of been 10 years ago? What? Less, less than that, less than that. And he was still, he was in his mid-60s, and he was still throwing 75. Like, he, wow. was still, he was still pumping in gas. I mean, it was straight, and I got a couple hits off him. But still, like, it was like, dude, Juan Eichenberg, that's fucking, and he was cool as hell. Like, he, one of those guys, there's several guys in our league that, you know, played for a long time in the major leagues that just, you know, if you were in any other fan of any other team, you wouldn't know who Juan Eichelberger was. I mean, he played all over the league, but you'd be like, I don't know who that guy is, but I know, I know who he was. Yeah, um, as Padres fans just, do. Just play and like to have fun. No kidding. That's, that's yeah. cool. Okay. Uh, strike. You should have, you should have gotten the ball. I'd and run. then got him to sign it afterwards. <laughs> like I got a hit off former I, major leaguer Juan Eichelberger. Uh. <laughs> okay, so strike three on Saturday. Braden Nett turned in his second straight stellar outing, allowing just two hits over five innings. The 21-year-old signed after last year's draft out of Community College. Uh, Romeo Santabria continues to dominate complex league pitching. The big first baseman had a single and walked twice to lift his on-base percentage to 460. His 1.109 OPS and 649 slugging percentage are both more than 50 points above the second best marks on the circuit. So he's lapping the field right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, Jerry, uh, Jerry Espinosa, who's been out there, obviously taking photographs, said a couple of weeks ago, like, this kid is the deal. He should be in Elsinore anytime soon. You know, I was meaning to give a shout out to Jerry. Uh, all of you out there that are on Twitter, if you don't follow follow Jerry Espinoza, you should. Um, he's a photographer, freelance photographer that's all over the valley in Phoenix. Uh, but he takes a lot of great pictures of Padres players, and then he'll tweet out some some game updates with what's going on. Uh, because we don't get a whole lot of visibility, you can't really watch the games, and right. the box scores aren't all that accurate. Uh, so it's nice to have some boots on the ground. So thank you, Jerry, for your service. Um, finally, Yendry Rojas tripled for the club's only extra base hit. The 18-year-old shortstop continues to flash solid bat-to-ball skills, but will need to add strength to translate that into more consistent production as he advances through the system. It sounds like right now the Padres have a lot of undersized middle infielders in the complex leagues right now. A lot of guys that are like 5'10", 160 pounds. Um, you know, and you look at him, you're like, well, maybe he's going to add a couple inches because he's only right. 16, 18 years old. Maybe he's going to put on some mass, maybe this, maybe that. And I guess that's the hard part about, about prospect evaluation is looking at, I mean, these kids are signed when they're 16, but yeah. they've had a deal yeah. in their pocket since they were like 12, 13, 14 years old. Now we now know. So how do you look at a 13 year old kid and have any idea what they're going to look like when they're 23? Yeah. The projection. Uh, the projection and the and the and the forward thinking and the is just phenomenal. What I was going to say is like next time you guys go to to spring training, go to the backfields, go to the backfields and skip over the triple A guys, skip over skip over the double A guys, go to the like the guys you know none of these names, and there are thirty guys there, forty guys, you know, in in the in the uh, in the complex league slash field. And there are guys you'll see there that you'll never see leave the complex. And that's that's the whole thing about, you know, Major League Baseball. And even even when you get an affiliated ball, you have to hit yourself out of the complex. And there are several guys every year, you see it every year, they get released. Like, who is that guy? Even us that followed this team and, and followed the prospects pretty pretty clearly. I mean, pretty, you know, pretty deeply. And I'm like, hey, who's that guy? Where did that guy come from? They just don't, they never make it out. But what you do, how baseball works, is you you get them in the system, 
and you try to get them better. You try to develop them. You try to give them the chance. And that's, you know, the cream rises to the top. Yeah. So the Padres just released their spring training uh, schedule a couple of weeks ago. So right after the announcement that they're going to start the season in Korea, they're going to have that yeah. series there. So that means that everything gets kind of shifted up and compressed as far as the spring training schedule. So I took a look at it. We need to book our, our room. Um, Cause you book now you get a better rate. If you wait until right. December, January, then the rates are, are crazy expensive, but it's so, it's so nice to just go out there on the back lots. They got the music playing. You got yeah. the click of the bat. You got the pop of the glove. You got the coaches and everybody chirping at each other, having a good old time, but it's fun to just to watch the guys do what they're doing, whether it's a, a scrimmage game or if they're taking drills or whatever, and you see somebody and you go, I like that guy. Yeah. And then you're going to follow us. And this is somebody you yeah. might've never heard of otherwise. Right. And then you're going to follow him. And you're going to remember that name. Maybe you'll see him in, maybe you'll get a chance to go see him at Lake Elsinore and go, you know, say hi and give him a fist bump. Maybe they'll become something, but yeah. it's, it just adds another little layer of fun following, following minor league baseball. When you get to see these guys, like I'm telling you about Juan Fernandez, just what a likable the guy that is right. just hang out by the bullpen and watch the guys goofing around. And you, you find yourself like you find yourself a fan of somebody next thing, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny when we're out there God, back in 2018, um, I remember Todd Steenzel, we, we, you know, we'd signed him on our minor league deal and, you know, I think his mom follows, you know, follows our follows friends on the farm on Twitter and said like, Oh, you get, please get a picture with us, with, with him and send it to me. And I remember being out there and going like, there he is right there. Fuck. God. You know, and you you don't want to go up. Hey, man, the guy, I'm gonna get a picture? picture because they were just standing around, and it would have been easy enough to just go, "Hey, dude, your mom said I need a picture with you." Cool. But if, cool. if you catch the guys when they're like walking back in for right. lunch or on their way back out, that's when it's a nice opportunity to ask for an autograph or a picture or just say hello. And some of these guys are just going to be flattered that you know their name. Right. Um, and Todd Van Steensel definitely would have been that that guy. Like super talkable, you know. Yeah, he's he's one of the best follows on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. I ended up I ended up DM him later on. I'm like, hey man, I saw you we're supposed to do this. And he's like, why not? Why didn't you? Like yeah. it, just, it gets weird because you know I we work credential that didn't want to go like hey what's up. Um and uh, it, it's funny when I was out <laughs> when I was out in fantasy camp me and um and Heath Bell walked out to one of the fields uh, in our gear, you know, in our uniforms uh, to see how wet the field was. And some guy walks up to me and goes, hey, I think I got you here. That's how that's how the autograph guys go. Hey, I think I got you here. And uh, I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, you, you have him. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I should well, you're said, a yeah, big deal. I... You smoked a double off one Eichelberg. I... <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's just, you know, they and it's. I would have been happy to sign anything, but like, I'm like, no, you want to know this guy. And, you know, it was Heath. And, um, but yeah, that's the time to do it. And it, it's, it's, it's all right. You know, it, it's okay to go up there. And like you said, they're, they're stoked to sign. And, um, these, these guys, they also like being noticed. Like, uh, you know, you always watch them and they're, they're, they have this real quiet talk. So when they talk like this, they, and that way you can't really hear what they're talking about. And that's, that's how you talk when you're in the, in the dugout right there or if you're in the, if you're in the stands and you, know, you just don't want anyone to hear a conversation and they feel like big leaguers and they're not even out of the complex yet. So um, you guys get a chance to go to spring training. I don't know if we're going to go to spring training. Um, money yeah, has everybody else has that little low murmur. 
But you see somebody that you recognize, like, hey, Lake Bocker, what's yeah. up? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah, that's perhaps, it. And, yeah. and either they'll give you a little head nod and keep walking, or sometimes they'll stop and talk. And that that's all it takes. Dude, it was <laughs> last year. So I was at third base, and I think it was Tom Cosgrove and Aaron Lesher. They'd stopped and watched our game, and we were playing Steve Wood's team. And I was on third, and the, the guy roped a ball right to Paul Rindle, who was playing third, and I had to run. It was like bases loaded. And this is second day. Legs are sore. Feet are cement blocks. And I'm trying well, to you're, run. And you're on a hip and a half. And I'm on a half a hip, chugging to third base, or chugging home, and I couldn't slide. And they just, oh, they just looked at me. They were laughing. I'm like, dude, if I slide, I'm going to break my hip. And like, they were just rolling. So you're going to get it replaced anyway. What's the point? (laughs) Go out in glory. (laughs) But anyway, you know, it's just, it's just fun because those guys, we know we had, we had Lesher, we've had Cosgrove, all those guys on the podcast. And it's always fun to get out there and just say hi to those guys. Even if you don't know them, hey, I I watched you playing double A, you know, how's it going? You know, and it's just great to have that connection. That's a beautiful thing about spring training. It is. It is. It's not always about the Manny Machados and Fernando Tetis Juniors. And Yeah, I mean, they'll still be around next year. Absolutely. Okay, so let us get you guys out of here. Thank you once again for listening. Uh, if you guys get a chance, go on Apple, go on Spotify, give us a rating. Tell us to shut up. Tell us we're great. Tell us we're whatever. But uh, go on there. Give us a like. And we really appreciate it. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. And let's go tin caps. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Elsinore. Yeah. Let's go. Mini Thunder. Mini. Oh, congratulations. Mini Thunder. Oh, and to everything. There is a season turn.